each of you. Glad uh, we're together. Glad we're taking this opportunity to worship God, to offer our praises uh, to Him, uh, to seek to honor His name. Uh, we also uh, find ourselves today coming around God's Word. That's a good thing to do. Uh, it's a good thing to do devotionally. It's a, a great thing to do as uh, we come together uh, to worship. Uh, you remember uh, back in B.C. times, before Camden, that <laughs> Ashley and I would, uh, would on occasion uh, do a, a, a sermon together. Uh, it's always been a lot of fun for us to do that. And we, uh, as we looked ahead on the calendar, thought that today would be a, a great day to do that as we uh, uh, talk about delegating responsibility. So we'll be uh, doing that here in the context of this uh, sermon series on uh, lessons in, in leadership. And one of those uh, lessons certainly is uh, a matter of delegating responsibility. So today's passage is only two verses long. Now there's some very uh, distinct uh, reasons for that, the first of which is that the first two verses of Nehemiah, the, the third chapter, uh, pretty much uh, encapsulates what goes on the, the rest of that chapter. The second reason, uh, and, and certainly as it, as it gives that good summary, it helps to, to, to offer a springboard for the very things that we'll be talking about when it comes to, um, to delegating responsibility. So that's the first. It's just a really good summary. The, the second of which is that that rest of that chapter uh, has uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of Hebrew names. Sure, the, the first two verses has just a couple of those names, but uh, you go through the rest of the chapter and it's filled with Hebrew names. And it brought back bad memories of a time <laughs> that I stood uh, before the church at uh, St. Paul back when I was an associate there and I had not really read over the scripture for that morning, and as I stood and began to read, there was one Hebrew name after another. You probably couldn't see it from the congregation, but I was breaking out <laughs> in a sweat, and I, um, I said to myself, I will never, ever do that again, particularly when it comes to long lists of Hebrew names. Well, Nehemiah, uh, the third chapter, lists some 40 Hebrew names. And those are individuals, leaders within varied towns and villages, regions throughout all of Judea. And those uh, towns, villages, and regions of Judea came, uh, came together to uh, work on the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem. And so there was this great call that, that went out. And it wasn't just Nehemiah, of course, he issued the call, but others coming around to, to work on the wall of Jerusalem. So today we read just a couple of Hebrew names in uh, Hebrews 3, 1 through 2, but, but you get the gist of, uh, of what, uh, what takes place. So let's hear this from God's word. Again, Nehemiah 3, verses 1 through 2. Elishiv, the high priest, and his fellow priest went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it, 
and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Haniel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. And this is God's word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us as we hear this word and as we seek to take our lives and apply them to it. Well, when it came to um, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah knew that he needed a ton of people to pitch in, to come around the, the work that was to be done, and in fact, to, to get it done. Nehemiah was, was all about uh, getting it done, but he knew that he needed other people to come alongside him in order to accomplish what was a big, big deal. He knew, Nehemiah did, that, uh, that if God's desires were ever to come to fruition, that God's people would need to come together around this common purpose and get things done. Nehemiah was not at all bashful about delegating. He was not at all bashful about asking. He, he did that with King Artaxerxes, and, and clearly he was not at all uh, bashful about asking those who were around him to, uh, to get the job of building the wall around Jerusalem and, and getting it uh, done in, in, in good order. Harry Truman once said that uh, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. You probably heard that statement. Ronald Reagan repeated it often. If you don't care who gets the credit, a lot of great things can take place. Quite honestly, Nehemiah could uh, care less about who got the credit, save for the fact that he all along wanted God to get the credit for the rebuilding of the walls, for the rebirth of uh, the great city of Jerusalem. He wanted God to be front and center in, uh, in everything that was going on. Well, Nehemiah enlisted others, who then enlisted still others around them. And the job came to fruition, and it came to fruition in, in, in short order. The, 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 the fact that the, the wall around Jerusalem was rebuilt in, in such short order was nothing short of miraculous. But that takes place when many uh, find themselves around a, a common purpose, a common vision, with the, the sort of passion around that uh, common purpose and vision. And they, uh, they, they are able to get uh, much ac accomplished. You've heard that, uh, that phrase, uh, many hands make for light work. Let's think about that. We've all known that to be the case when, when others come around us to get some, uh, some job or, or some project accomplished. Many hands make light work. But let's face it, the work of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem was nothing but heavy work. It would never be light work. But as others came around, as they plied their efforts uh, into what was going on, 
the wall was indeed rebuilt. Great things take place when people come around a, a common purpose. Much is accomplished when everybody is, is pulling in the same direction. Down through the years, I have been uh, involved in a number of Habitat for Humanity builds. Uh, if you've not done that, that's a, a really great thing to do. Uh, it certainly is a, a great way to roll up your sleeves, to, to serve, to come around a, a, a family that is in need of some, some, some good, secure, uh, safe housing. During those builds, there are dozens of people that, uh, that ply into that work, notwithstanding the, the family that will be living uh, in that house. They have to volunteer hundreds of hours and uh, not only is that family involved, but usually it's the family of the family. It's an extended family effort. And they, they work hard and they have investment in what's going on. Usually with Habitat for Humanity builds, there are a couple of people that really know what is going on. And then many, many others like myself that really don't know what's going on, but there's good instruction. And in that instruction, all of us are willing to serve and to help out and to offer our talents. And before you know, the house is built. In the recent renovation of our sanctuary, and I appreciate your patience as things are coming along in, in our sanctuary and will soon be, uh, be back in, uh, in the sanctuary, uh, hopefully here in the next two to three weeks. There have been all sorts of people to, to make that happen. Uh, there have been uh, carpenters, uh, there have been uh, stonemasons, there have, uh, have been uh, people who will come in and, and put in the flooring, there have been drywallers, there have been electricians, there's been a plumber in, there have been all sorts of people that come in, notwithstanding somebody to, to take our stained glass window to rework it and to, to, to install it here in, in hopefully the next month. All sorts of people digging in with their, uh, their time, certainly, but also their giftedness to, uh, to make, this, uh, uh, make this happen. Now, Rock Smith has stood uh, front and center in that, and he's really been the, the, the director, the, the, the orchestrator of, uh, of all of this as he has uh, uh, delegated responsibility, as he's helped to, uh, to coordinate all of that has been important. Otherwise, everybody would have been bumping into, into one another. A building project, much like, uh, say, conducting a, a symphony, uh, all of that uh, takes somebody to help coordinate, certainly to delegate, to recognize people's uh, gifts and graces and to, to get them in, uh, involved to the place where Great things take place. Everybody pulling together, and as they pull together, doing something that is very important. That's where delegation comes in. And it is an important uh, lesson in leadership that every one of us need to, uh, to recognize as we seek to, uh, to be leaders in, in the, the circles in which we find ourselves, as we seek to... Uh, to engage with others who are leaders in, in, in other circles as we seek to serve and use, uh, use our talents. 
So today we're going to be talking about uh, about four words. We're going to be uh, be talking about example, about equipping, about encouragement, and about empowering. The first of those words is uh, is example. The names we uh, we read just a, a couple of minutes ago represent a, a very special group of people that dove in on this. Uh, great construction project of the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. And you, you notice uh, right out of the gate uh, in, in uh, Nehemiah 3, uh, verse 1, there's uh, the name of, uh, of, a, of a chief priest that is quite, uh, quite prominent, Eliashib. Uh, he was high priest at the time. It's interesting uh, that the high priest and the other high priest around him dug in, offered their services, and began to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. It's fitting, I think, don't you, that the priest would set the example. He led the way, if you will. Eliashib was, was simply not content to just stand by with his arms crossed, watching others do the work. He, he dove in as well. You know, that's something that I've, uh, I've tried to do down through the years as I have uh, served through the church and in, in other ways. I've never have been ashamed to dive in. Now, the first reason for that is that I've always wanted to serve, first and foremost. And so opportunities through the church and in other ways have given me an opportunity to serve. So I've, I've jumped in. I've also jumped in because I have wanted other people to see that. Not that they would come around me and pat me on the back. That is the furthest thing from my mind. But my interest has always been for people to see and maybe be inspired to join me. Elishib and and his compatriots uh, helped prime the pump, if you will. Hey, did you see the high priest? Did you see the other priests that were around him? They were over there working. I guess maybe, sort of, kind of, maybe I should get over there as well. Leading by example is always important when it comes to delegation. Let's hear a little bit about equipping, if you will, and Ashley will share some uh, about that and that important lesson in leadership. Good job delegating there, Tom. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we've, um, we've all heard about supply chain issues, um, about all the logistics that have had to happen, and, and you especially have felt that when you go to the grocery store or you go to a store and your favorite thing isn't there. I know I've felt that several times. I have had a front row seat to all of that. My husband, Chris, has worked in supply chain for a few years, and it just amazes me the way his brain works to try to fit all the pieces together, to try to get product where it needs to go, when it needs to get there, and it's, it's a big job, but he doesn't do it by himself. He has a team, there's departments around him, there are people with areas of expertise, and they all work together to make sure that they are getting things done to get the product where they need to go and working out those logistics. 
Now, I'm not sure if y'all remember this. This is the second time I've mentioned my sermon from January because I just know y'all still remember that sermon. <laughs> but I threw out the 80-20 rule, and I thought today would be a good day to remind us we're about half, you know, over halfway through the year. And this, this rule was, is not a good one. It's a depressing one. But that 20% of the people in church do 80% of the work. And I threw this out as a challenge for all of us, a challenge for us to take part in serving and answering God's call of what we need to do and, and throwing out that we're going to shatter this because we're St. John. That's what we do. We do things awesome. It's much better whenever you have a lot of people doing less things, less free, or more things less frequently instead of not a lot of people doing more things more frequently. People can really get tired. And you see, Paul actually talks about that in 1 Corinthians 12 when he talks about many gifts, one spirit, many parts, one body. And the sum of what Paul is talking about is that God, he calls each of us into the service and we each have a gift to take part in that service. God is continuing to build his church. He's continuing to build his kingdom. And each one of us are equipped with a gift to do something for God. Now, it's easy for us to say, well, that's not my job, it's their job, or, well, I just don't have that ability, I just can't do that. But each of us has some gift. You see, each of us is equipped to do something for God. Each of us, every single one of us in this room and listening right now. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Paul talks about five specific gifts that is found in a healthy church when those folks acknowledge that they have this gift, they become aware of the gift that they have, and they live into that gift for the church and for God's service. Now, you can find anywhere on the World Wide Web a test to take to figure out what spiritual gift you have, or I can also offer to you that in our Act of Discipleship class, we're going to dig into these gifts in the last section, uh, Take Action for Christ, and we're going to be starting new classes this fall, so stay tuned for that. That's my quick plug. Uh, so stay aware. But the five gifts are apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd or pastor, and teacher. Maybe afterwards you can ask Tom and I what our gifts are. You may be surprised what they are. But being a leader for God means that we take hold of our gifts, gifts that God has equipped us with, by first being open to what they are, trying to seek out what those are, becoming aware of them if we aren't already, and then living into them for his glory. Just this past Tuesday at Celebrate Recovery, we listened to a phenomenal testimony, and the guy shared a really good nugget of truth for everyone. God will do his part. You just have to do yours. God will do his part. You just have to do yours. So the question is, are you doing your part? And if not, then why? Tom, back to you. How might we best encourage how can we be encouragers as we seek to exercise uh, leadership uh, in, uh, in, in the circles in which we, uh, in which we find ourselves? You, you remember last week we, uh, we read uh, in the latter part of Nehemiah, the second chapter, where uh, Nehemiah uh, encourages the people with, with this uh, really important statement, God will give us success. That's a good statement to, uh, to have in the, the back of our minds. It's a, it's a really great thing to, to always have uh, as, a, as a part of uh, what, we're, uh, what we're thinking about. Uh, God will give us success. Uh, 
certainly as an individual, but uh, but really as a as a corporate body, even as a church, God will give us success. And you know the emphasis there is on us. It's not just one person, but the collective body. This was uh, this was a we thing. This rebuilding of the of the wall around Jerusalem. You know, I've often said, particularly when I find that my back is getting a little more uh, tender uh, these days, uh, there may be something to pick up, something to, to move, something to, to haul, and I'll say, uh, this is a tough one-person job. It's an easy two-person job. Usually I'll grab uh, Stephen on those easy two-person jobs, sometimes Ashley, but when you have a second person on some of, some of the moving and hauling and, and that sort of thing, it really, uh, really does become so much easier when it's uh, two people or more rather than just one person. God will give us success. This was a we thing. This was a together thing. This was something that Judah was going to do as a corporate body, rebuilding wall in Jerusalem. You've heard it said that there is uh, no I in, in, in team. Uh, Steph Curry uh, is undoubtedly the, the greatest shooter that the NBA has, uh, has ever known. He can, uh, he can shoot from downtown, if you will, and just think nothing of it. Uh, he's a prolific scorer. He's a great player, one of the greatest players to, to ever play the game. Even though uh, Steph is such a, a great uh, shooter and a prolific scorer, the thing that really sets him apart is that he is a great teammate. He's, uh, he's willing to, to kind of step aside so that, that, that others can, can really get involved. In fact, he works very hard to get others involved as well. He's not always looking for the ball. He's a consummate uh, teammate. And it's a prime reason why uh, the Warriors won the, the championship this, uh, this past year and why they've won it so many years over the past few years. It's not all about uh, Steph Curry. He's a consummate teammate. Much is uh, accomplished when, uh, when everyone is, is pulling in the, the same direction. And in order to, to get that sort of uh, pulling in the same direction catalyzed, in, in order to, to, to really gain the momentum around that, it's important that, that people gain a, a sense of vision and are encouraged about that vision, have a passion around it, but that there's, uh, there's someone there to encourage them, to move them along, that, that the, they're just, oh, I'm just working and don't, don't even know why I'm doing that. There's no, no reinforcement, but, but to have someone there encouraging and for a leader to offer that encouragement allows for that delegation to, to really take flower, to gain momentum, and to really accomplish what needs to be accomplished. I used to say to the seminary centenary uh, staff when I was in uh, Lexington, we'd sit at the, the staff table and there'd be a, a dozen or so people around the staff table and I would begin to wave my finger and I'd say, we need to do this, which was another way of saying, 
you need to do this, and I'm not the one to do that. That was the translation of that. In fact, uh, there are times when I'll cross the short hall between uh, my office and Ashley and say, we need to do this, which is another way of saying you need to do this. That's not so much de uh, uh, delegation. Maybe strictly speaking, but true delegation always has with it this, this uh, current of, in, of encouragement. Uh, encouragement that uh, helps uh, a person to see the, the whys of, of, of what they're being asked to do. Encouragement that, that certainly recognizes a, a person's gifts and graces, just as, as Ashley shared. Encouragement that helps that person to feel excited about what's going to take place, rather than just feeling put upon all the time. It's important in this encouraging stuff that there is a clear and compelling vision that has a way of encouraging people, that there's a sense, a deep sense of call around something that certainly helps to encourage people. A deep passionate, a deep passion for something uh, certainly propels people, encourages people, but there's nothing uh, quite like uh, another coming around a person getting ready to embark upon an important task and for that uh, person to be encouraged. And not just at the outset, but all the way through. Certainly encouragement is a great catalyst for uh, the, the, the sort of uh, uh, important endeavors that all of us have to do as we are encouraged. And as we encourage, uh, we'll find ourselves encouraging much particularly as we seek to delegate responsibility. Thankfully, Tom and I have a good relationship, so when he comes in and says, we need to do something, I know he's coming from a good place. <laughs> at, at least. <laughs> we can at least give him that. <laughs> All right. So uh, there's a phenomenon happening more and more frequently called the hero-leader syndrome. And it's basically where leaders put all the weight on their shoulders and lead as the driving force of an organization. They feel an unconscious need to be appreciated and valued, and they believe they're the only ones that can move an organization forward. But what actually happens is in doing that and in having that thought, they actually weaken their team, and usually the outcomes are negative. Everything rests on their shoulders, but alas, no one can be Superman. These leaders, and there's lots of them, and like I said, they're becoming more and more frequent nowadays, experience burnout. And it's a very important reason why they experience this burnout is because they lack the skill of delegating their, their other tasks to other people. And just last week when Tom and I were talking about this sermon, um, I said, it's just easier if I do it myself. We've all been guilty of that, right? It's not just me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I totally just did that last week when we were talking about this. When I was working at a, a company of a few years back, we were three companies merged into one. And, and I heard this all the time because we were in this midst of having to train other people to do things because we were adapting different uh, ways to do the same thing that people had done for a long time. And a lot of people would say, oh, it's just easier if I do that myself instead of spending the time to train that person how to do it this way. Empowerment was a huge word. We were really doing a culture change, trying to teach people that they were empowered and how to empower themselves so they could empower others. 
When we do that, it goes a very, very long way. We really do get more done when we empower one another. And here at St. John, we don't just offer programs and classes for you because it's the cool thing to do and that's what all the churches are doing. We do this to empower you, to give you, to provide you the tools and the resources you need so that you can answer God's call in your own life and go out and be the church. It's how God grows his kingdom, and we want to support you and encourage you and empower you to do that in any way that we can. When we think about a good example of this, we can think about Moses. We know Moses was called to be this huge leader, but, well, he struggled a bit. He struggled a lot, actually. He needed some help, and there's a twofold lesson that Moses can teach us. In Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, gave him some wonderful advice about delegating. Now, Moses was overwhelmed because so many people were coming to him with all of these disputes. He was just overwhelmed by all the people. And Jethro looked at him and he said, Dude, enough is enough. You are wearing yourself out. Now, Moses could have said, I appreciate the advice, but I think I'm good. I'm going to keep being this hero leader and bear everything and not share it. But instead, Moses listened. You see, a good leader listens, and a good leader delegates by empowering people. Each of us is empowered by a call that God has given us, and we are empowered by God to live out that call for his kingdom and for his church to help others discover that call in their own lives so that they can begin living out that truth. Nehemiah got her done, as Tom talked about earlier. Got her done by example, by equipping, encouraging, and empowering people. He accepted who he was through God's purpose and called on other people to live out that purpose as well. So let's be like Nehemiah and get her done. Not by doing it all ourselves, but by joining together as the great people of God that we are called to be by taking ownership of the part that is ours and living that out and through doing so, making a difference. That's a wonderful lesson to learn. Delegating responsibility. Let's pray together. Well, so God, we thank you very much for the opportunity to come around your word to learn from a fellow like Nehemiah. Lord, we thank you that you uh, are clearly calling us to use our uh, gifts and graces in a way uh, you leave it to us. You, you delegate. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, great things are done. Your kingdom is furthered. Lord, we pray that... Uh, we would find ourselves at places uh, where we, uh, too, are delegating with a deep and, and sincere uh, desire to see your kingdom furthered. We pray, Lord, that we, uh, we find ourselves a part of uh, your, your call, your, your delegation to, uh, to go forth into the life of the world, to be your servants and disciples. Lord, we pray that you search us out just now, that we allow you to do that, and that we recognize that work, and that
that you would bring to mind and heart those places where we uh, where we need to dive in, those places where we need to serve. Thank you for sending us. Lord, we uh, pray that uh, you work in our hearts and minds uh, uh, to the place where you are raising us up to be uh, your leaders in your kingdom. And as we... Uh, we seek to, to offer that sort of leadership. May it be that we are uh, clearly offering ourselves to you, to the place where we're encouraging, empowering others to go and to do likewise. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to worship you today. Thank you for blessing us. And as we prepare to go forth, May it be that we truly are desirous to be your servants, your disciples in the life of the world. This prayer we make in the name of Christ, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen. Let me uh, invite you to stand, and we'll offer our praises to God. We'll sing that great hymn, Go Forth in Thy Name.